Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude. I am a legend. It's Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. Andy, how you doing, my friend? You ready for a legendary day? Yeah, buddy. Every day is a legendary day on the Album Nerds Podcast. Okay. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, I hope the answer is yes from our listeners. Don, how you doing, man? Good. Just... Uh... Just got uh, finished um, chopping up some Octo Rocks. Octo Rocks, son. <laughs> this isn't the Legend of Zelda episode, I thought. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think they're called Octo Rocks. Uh, the big yeah. fluffy rock guys that sh- shoot things at you. Yeah. That game was far too much work for me at that at that stage of my life. I'm like, I just want to eat a mushroom, grow, and jump on stuff. Hit my head, get some coins. All right, so uh, this is the Album Nerds Podcast. We love talking about albums and the album format, and uh, today we're going to be talking about some albums from legendary artists, their their very latest releases. We've got a great show for you. We're going to go through some of the stuff that we checked out and prep for the show. Then we're going to get to all of our album selections. We're going to answer a question loosely related to today's topic, and then we're going to spin the wheel of musical destiny to find out what we're going to talk about on the next show. But right now, it's uh, time for some legends. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Well, the term legend is, of course, subjective, but anyone would agree that we discuss many legends on this podcast, from Prince to John Coltrane. Unfortunately, each year we lose some. Like this year, we've lost Jeff Beck, Tony Bennett, and Robbie Robertson. But fortunately, many music legends are still with us. Often, we focus on albums from early in their careers, but today, we are each presenting the latest album from a legend. It's a bigger ask than you would think. Because, you know, when you're listening to newer records by legends often you're just kind of aching to go listen to one of their early records Mm -hmm. so how'd you guys do yeah this was a bit of a challenge i mean there's the question of like legendary you know what qualifies as legendary legendary to me is not legendary to you necessarily and we had a few of those debates but i'll throw out a couple that i think are in the ballpark at least listen to the new red hot chili peppers return from the dream canteen me too it's like a psychedelic sort of jammy record in comparison to some of the popular stuff they've been doing lately uh listen to bob dylan's shadow kingdom that came out earlier this year mm. there's like, like one or two really good songs on there not a not a legend not legendary, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't count <laughs> Um, Van Morrison's moving on Skiffle. Didn't he do like Over the Rainbow or something? Wasn't he doing like goofy old tracks or something? There's a lot of covers on there. And I think there are some originals, some new stuff though, but too. Uh, it's okay. The one I kind of wanted to go with was uh, the latest Blur record, Ballad of Darren. It's <laughs> not sound like that at all. Uh, it's a really good record, but we were debating whether or not Blur was really legendary or at the stage of their career, at least. Um, but yeah, how about how about you, Don? Well, I started uh, for some reason. I, I started thinking about like uh, electronic music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have done Gary Newman, but we've uh, you know we did one of his albums recently. I actually went to Kraftwerk, those German pioneers of kind of electronic noise. They actually their last album was in two thousand three. It's called Tour de France. It was actually 
for the Tour de France. Uh, kind of an interesting listen, but also Brian Eno, you know, he finally, he did an album that actually had vocals on it uh, fairly recently and it was interesting, but I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of a, kind of a difficult listen, uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, I listened to that one too. <laughs> yeah, I ended up making a, a more obvious pick. I think we all kind of gravitated towards obvious so that we wouldn't be spending too much time in the show debating whether or not the, the artists or band or whatever is, is legendary. The big ones, Rolling Stones, Hackney Diamonds, that just came out. I don't know if any of us have had time to digest it enough for, it to, for us to feel one way or another about it. It's okay. It's pretty good. Mellencamp's <laughs> Orpheus Descending. He sounds more and more like Tom Waits with every record. <laughs> Paul McCartney 3 from 2020. Uh, ACDC Power Up from 2020, I thought about. Loretta Lynn's Still Woman Enough from 2021 is pretty damn good. That is a good record, yeah. Yeah, got some good guests on it and stuff. But we just did Country last week, so. R.E.M. Collapse into Now, their final album in 2011. I never really listened to it. It's it's pretty good. It is. Like, yeah. it's got all the right R.E.M.-ness that I'm looking for. It's surprisingly enjoyable. It was, it was, I was close on that one. I had a little <laughs> fun with it, but, uh. The fun and games are over. It's time to get to work. You choo choo choose me? I'm going to do what I want to do now. And it's the freedom of, of creating records because I just feel like it. I want more people to join me for my era. I want them to join it. Releasing records. Uh, working hard on them shits. <laughs> <laughs> right on yeah that is of course Nas. we're gonna be talking about his 17th studio album titled magic three i had no idea there were that many records dude's been busy especially lately so this album came out back in september 14th of 2023 on his uh, 50th birthday we are gonna play uh this is the third track called superhero status between great and endearing, you smell it and taste it cause it's serious And you don't think it's fair, you feel that you come with bars And you want some wars, frankly they should send they regard Some of the hardest rappers get I love that, uh, love that track, especially that sample on that track I don't know man, I couldn't get that sample out of my head all week It's from a 70s artist by the name of Eddie Kendricks you guys familiar? Uh, I believe he was in, um, The Temptations He was in The Temptations? Yeah Cool So this is... The sixth album that Nas has put out over the last couple of years in this this run, uh, there's been three in the Magic series and three in this King's Disease series. The kind of like unifying force behind all these records is the production from uh, an artist named Hit Boy, who's been doing all the producing work and kind of working pretty closely with Nas on, on developing the sound. He's been been putting out kind of this bit of a late career renaissance for him, I would say, over the last few years here, really kind of since the pandemic. He's been doing some really great stuff. So the three words I had for this record are a magical run. Uh, it's just so impressive to see someone who's like 50 plus now putting out stuff that is, yeah, maybe not as great as what he was doing in the 90s, but I think it's really high caliber work and just the, the quantity of it is really impressive. Well, not only the quantity, but like I listened to this record and I was like, oh man, this is really good. He's still got it. There's been like six records in a, in a span of a couple of years. And, and so with all that quantity, I would expect a severe drop in quality, that, especially when you're pumping them out at the rate he is. I would expect that it's phoning it in to cash checks somehow. Yeah, right. You would think so. Or to fulfill record company contracts that you have to put out records or whatever. I, I was really impressed. I mean, it sounded fresh to me. Like, if you said this was a new artist, I'd be like, man, this guy's got 
So. <laughs> well, he's been reborn. Okay, so why don't we play another cut from the record? This is entitled Fever. Dancing to every song like it's a contest. Singing to Stevie Wonder, happy birthday. Celebrating years of flows, a crazy wordplay. Season, I'm leaving my 40s, I'm a griot. Deep as Deepak Chopra, dress socks and loafers. Family only, I'm Deepak holding Deepak Chopra makes it. It's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so of course, uh, like all the others, that was uh, co-written with uh, Hit Boy. This, um, I mean, this song in particular, but maybe the, the whole album, you know, feels kind of like a, a, a reflection on his career. The one line, celebrating years of flows and crazy wordplay. And then a lot of this seemed to be him. I mean, I can't believe he's 50 years old, um, but that's... Uh, <laughs> Um, I, he I looks feel good like for 50. He sure does. Uh, and sounds hey. good. <laughs> yeah, also another lyric in that song, fly from infancy to half a century. You know, so that's him, you know, mm. turning 50, I guess. Uh, and yeah, so the, the three words I chose to describe the album. Actually, another reference that last week I mentioned Jimmy Buffett's song, A Pirate Looks at, at 40. Um, so <laughs> I did uh, A Rapper Looks at 50. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as Nas does not do a sample from Cheeseburgers in Paradise, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> he can probably make it work. Uh, I, I'm glad Andy found this album because I actually, I, I, I was looking around, like I wanted to find a, like a hip hop legend that was still doing stuff. And I don't know, it, 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 uh, it still seems like hip hop is a, is a young man's game. You know, like the, yeah. you know, the, the founding fathers, for, you know, from the eighties and seventies, they, don't, they're either in the background producing or something, or they're just you know not putting their their names on records anymore. So it's nice to see that that Nas is is still doing it. And I I want to hear what these guys have to say uh, in in middle age or or just past middle age. Yeah, that's exactly what Nas says in that clip. Like he wants that perspective of like people looking back on like generations of hip hop to kind of be more of the conversation and not yeah. just so like here's what's going on right now which i think is is a really valid point yeah and this um you know again i, I you know i'm other than uh, illmatic you know I, I haven't really followed Nas's career um but you know this one just seems very focused and kind of up close and personal there um i mean the the hit boy production and, and beats are you know intricate but i don't know it, it it kind of has like a simple feel to me. And I like, I love actually that there's like no special guests. I mean, there's one with uh, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. But, yeah. you know, er everything else, it's it's just Nas and, and Hit Boy. And uh, I, I like that a lot. I, I will give Lil Wayne some credit though, because that, that, that track, Never Die, mm -hmm. that's a great song. And I love the, the rhyme schemes that go on there, but. Lil Wayne nails it. Like he does such a good job with the way he puts those words together and makes them rhyme, even though they don't. He sounds great. Like I was, he does sound good. I've kind of forgotten about him since he started trying to play guitar. So um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressed, actually. Yeah, it's pretty common for now. So really, we just feature one or two like close friends on a record. But yeah, he's. I mean, the focus is really on his wordplay. You know, storytelling uh, is a big, you know, big part of this record, as as usually is on his his type of stuff he's great at like placing you into like a scene or a setting you know a place maybe you're not familiar with oh uh, i mean uh, you know it, it, it just seems like you know he and, and hit boy have you know great chemistry and he you know it doesn't feel like he's chasing hits at all you know he's just getting in the studio and you know and, and rapping so yeah it seems like an exercise and just kind of having fun let me play another cut here this is track five no tears 
on my face just stop Talking to my younger self They say in the big 50s That's when you get rich, 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 rich In every aspect Yeah, so a little bit of a look back at, at life and the struggles uh, of his youth and and how he was able to rise above and not uh, dwell in it and have success and build something for himself. And, and then that outro mentioning being in his 50s and how you can get there. And of course, my, my life experience is different, but as a guy around his age, he just sounds so uh, young and confident and strong. It makes me uh, feel a little bit like that myself. Uh, so... <laughs> It ain't over. A lot of life to live. <laughs> if Nas can do it, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. Why the hell not, right? <laughs> hold ourselves to that standard. <laughs> uh, maybe he's got a little something special going on there. But uh, uh, So the three words I used to describe this album are grown man's hip hop. I'm a grown ass man, dog. And I was alluding to it is this is this is mature, but it also sounds vital and new. But it definitely, you know, uh, adults, you know, older folks, I think, will have a lot to relate to here. And I think younger people can maybe get a, a good, honest picture of what it's like to, to see your life behind you. And presu- let's let's all hope that 50 is only halfway, you know, and that you got 50 more to go. So I love the beats and the production and the samples. Hit Boy, this partnership, as we mentioned at least on this record, very impressive. I was reading that this may be the pinnacle of that so far, that this might be the best that they've done together, but... Supposedly it's going to be the last of the okay. of their projects together. Uh, there was some speculation. I don't know if it's warranted that this might be Nas's last project, but I don't know. That's unclear. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love that clip we played at the beginning where he's encouraging other artists from from that golden era of hip hop to come out, be vital. You don't have to do it to uh, gain an audience or for any other reason to express yourself. And that's what's really cool about this is that's all that is. And it is awesome at the same time. Yeah. So if you if you uh, haven't heard what Nas has been up to lately, if you were a fan back in the 90s or whatever, um, yeah, definitely check out this round of projects with the uh, King's Disease and Magic series. I think they're worth the time. So once again, Nas Magic 3. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. Sting! Der Stingelhofer! Making copies! The McStingster! Stingatola! Sting! Stingling-a-ding-ding-ding-dong! Yeah, so uh, the legend I chose is Sting, born Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner in Walson, England in 1951. Uh, Sting, of course, was the the front man and bassist uh, of the band uh, The Police and has been a successful solo artist uh, for, for almost 40 years. Uh, his most recent release uh, is an album called The Bridge from November 2021. Here's the opening cut, Rushing Water. <laughs> So Rushing Water was co-written with uh, producer uh, Martin Kirzenbaum and somebody named Gavin Brown. Yeah, the, the refrain, and really the, the, the whole song 
does remind me of of the police probably more than than any sting song i've i've heard in in recent years this is the sound of rushing water flooding through my brain you know that part yeah it it just sounds like uh you know something that could have been on ghost in the machine or or something i i think the song is basically dealing with you know the pressure that we feel and and chaos you know of course this this album uh, was written uh, at the time of of the pandemic and and uh, you know all the other chaos that's going on. Uh, in fact, Sting quoted as saying, "In a year of global pandemic, personal loss, separation, disruption, lockdown, and extraordinary social and political turmoil." But you know, in this song, "Rushing Water," he actually has the line, "What we have here is so easy to solve. Just take a firm purpose and some resolve." You know, so I like that, even though. I think this album is serious. Uh, I, there's still hope in it. I'm the stinger. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the the youthful energy uh, in that track. Uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are "fields of silver." Um, <laughs> uh, nice, nice. The fields of gold. <laughs> So I mean it's a it's a very good album, you know, perhaps not fantastic. So it's not quite gold, maybe silver or copper. Or I think like his <laughs> hair had gone like gray or something. Well, that was yeah, that's the it's like oh, a yeah. it's a triple entendre or something here. Impressive. Uh, like I've kind of ignored him since 10 Summoners Tales, which had featured the song Fields of Gold, which I actually even in my grunge heyday i enjoyed that record and then he started getting a little too world music-y for my taste and i kind of moved on but this felt kind of like that record god i remember that desert rose song i hated it yes so much. that's so, what ruined it. <laughs> god, i hated that uh, yeah that that pretty much put me off sting uh, until listening to this yeah. So, and then he did that album with Shaggy a couple of years ago, and I'm like, no, thank you. Not, if it was the guy from Scooby yeah, Doo, I would have been into it, but it <laughs> it was it was the guy. Yeah. Zoiks. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of the the Police. Like, I, I like their blend of sort of reggae and and post punk. But I I always felt like, and of course I was I was young at the time, really young. But it just seemed like in 1985, you know, when he went off on his own, all of a sudden he aged 20 years. And yeah, he, ju- he just yeah. seemed like an old, you know, adult contemporary artist. Um <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know. I guess I'm at the age where like I I'm ready for Sting and and I appreciate it. So I <laughs> I really uh, you know, enjoyed this this album a, a lot. You know, I like the the mellowness of it. I like like, you know, as I said before, sort of the, the serious tone, but, you know, also the, you know, that element of hope. And even though it's mostly, I, I think, a pop record, it still has those elements of rock and jazz and reggae that in classical that he always does. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's hear some more. Uh, here is the book of numbers. Fast on the gates of heaven, I find myself in hell. I think what I liked about that track was just he sounds really good. Like he sounds like nothing, his voice hasn't changed at all. Now that could have, he could have had some electronic help, I don't know, but sounded great. Um, You know, he sounded like Sting. He does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great addition. (laughs) 
It's just a tiny bit of gravel in his voice, which which I think sounds good. Sting would be another person who's a hero. The music that he's created over the years, I don't really listen to it, but the fact that he's making it, I respect that. I agree. Uh, so the three words I used to describe the album were can still sting. Like Don said earlier, I think the police are way cooler than Sting's solo output myself. But it has its place, and it is pleasant, and the older I've gotten, I probably appreciate that chill vibe that he puts out more than I did as a kid. So he's still, you know, he's still doing his thing, and uh, there's that loose theme of bridges throughout Mm -hmm. the album, like musical forms of bridges, memory and time, life and death, and then all those allusions to water throughout the album. Uh, What I read was after he had completed recording, he was like, hey, a lot of these songs have water in them. (laughs) And kind of put together what that theme was after the fact that he subconsciously was thinking about these things. And I think that's kind of cool too. Okay, well, let's let's hear another one. This is Bells of St. Thomas. Oh, thank God. I didn't, I thought it was a different word than bells. (laughs) I thought it was balls. Yeah, that's what's Sting the right about. It's part of that tantric thing he does. My husband's away. The bells of St. Thomas are aching without. They're cracked and they're broken like the drought. I've searched for the meaning. I've now ruined that song because I'm applying <laughs> the, the lyrics to my theoretical title. Well, I mean, based on the lyrical content of the song, you might not be that far off from what it's about. <laughs> uh, it seems to be about an affair, uh, was the impression I had. Is it, I mean, a good good part of this record seems to deal with infidelity or at least troubled relationships. Maybe so a bridge over troubled waters would be a good uh, words for this record. But the three words I used to describe it are bridge over a trickle. Hey, is that, a, is that like a, a reference to not being able to pee when you get older? <laughs> like a prostate, a prostate thing. Joke. That's not cool. Not cool. <laughs> not per se. I feel like he doesn't. He doesn't have that problem. I think he just seems like <laughs> extremely sure he healthy. And yeah, yeah, he's he he's, like he's a virile. He's a virile seventy-two. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could all learn a lot from Sting's aging. Yeah, I mean, Sting is someone I've always been like curious about. Like whenever I see him interviewed on like a talk show or something, he's always very interesting and lots of insightful things to say about music and just you know, living. But yeah, this album, you know, it's very simple. And I guess a passive would be the other word I'd use to describe it. Yeah. It's a really bad or good thing. Um, I guess I was just hoping for more from it. More, I, you know, I, I had those thoughts from like the 90s of like, this is going to be more like world music, mm. which it really isn't at all, or at least hardly at all. So I was hoping for more of that, I guess. I kind of like just some Something different, something a little bit more in terms of the instrumentation. The other thing that kind of bothered me or I got stuck on a lot was just the rhyming. At, maybe he's listening to the Nas record and then come and listen to this. <laughs> right. The rhymes yes, sometimes are like fair. really, yeah. <laughs> They're like really painfully obvious at times. Like, yeah. The sky turned yellow. He was a nice fellow. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not too far off. It, yeah, it just feels a little, again, like overly simplistic, I guess, for what I expected this to maybe be, which is probably my own, you know, bias here coming into play. There's a couple interesting songs on the expanded edition of this that's a few mm-hmm. tracks towards the end. Uh, an instrumental track, kind of like a version of one of the other songs in here, Captain Bateman, that I thought was kind of interesting. And a cover of 
sitting by the dock of the bay, which I thought was pretty good. But yeah, you know, I guess I was just kind of just middle of the road, middle of Harmony Road, you could say, <laughs> on this record. <laughs> okay, so the latest from the legendary Sting uh, is an album called The Bridge uh, from November 2021. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Now, deep questions with Don. Well, what legend would you guys want to hang out with? Well, I mean, my answer is you two. But I'd be interested to see what Andy thinks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good question. There's a lot of people that came to mind that would just be cool to like kind of pick their brains and how they did what they did. But I think to just like hang out with and just hear some stories and like maybe get into trouble or do something stupid with. Tom Waits has got to be like one of the most <laughs> interesting guys I can think of. That just <laughs> probably has some random stories that I would love to hear in his gradly voice. Just uh, bring a carton of smokes and he'll, he'll let you <laughs> in the door. Yeah, a bottle of bourbon and... Yeah, I, I mean, I was listening to his his latest record as part for the show, uh, Bad As Me, which came out like over a decade ago, which is, is pretty solid. But he also popped up in a movie I saw recently, uh, Licorice Pizza, which came out last year. Oh, yeah. It was like, an interesting yeah. cameo in it. Yuck. You don't want some of that licorice <laughs> pizza? Mm. I don't want licorice in any form. <laughs> but yeah, Tom becomes in a, as a cameo in that movie. Where he just does like some insane stuff where oh, he yeah. is like just off the wall, zany stuff. And you know, he's got to be in like, pushing 75 i would guess cool. uh, so yeah he's a he's a character and I would, i'd love to spend some time with him yeah so my initial reaction was to think of someone in music and one that comes to mind is dave grohl mm-hmm. but i recently read his book or the audio book so i listened to his book but he's the narrator and i kind of feel like i know him a little bit from him telling stories about mm-hmm. his upbringing and everything so i think i know him enough for now <laughs> i want to go with something a little weirder I'd want to oh. hang out with Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King. Okay. Why Stephen King? I mean, he's a functioning, normal human being, <laughs> but he has, for decades, come up with some <clears throat> messed up stuff. And yeah. I would love to. I would love to talk to someone who just want to understand how you unleash that part of your brain and then close it back up again so that you can function in society. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's just a fascinating dude. Uh, whenever I see interviews where he's weighing in on any topic, I, I'll watch it. Um, he's just got some really good insights into human behavior and stuff. So, yeah, Stephen King. And then I want to get I want to get co writing credits on the next <laughs> the next one. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it, it's a difficult question. I, I'm always kind of uh, afraid to meet celebrities, you know, particularly people that I admire, you know, because I feel like they're going to let me down or I'm going to I'm going to gush and bore the hell out of them asking them stupid questions and, you know, <laughs> oh, what was up with the fourth song on the album? You know, like, right. <laughs> or try and or try and like prove that you know them better than they know themselves. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, um, yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, I mean, I think I'd rather like people that are just like borderline celebrities um, who probably aren't too full of themselves. And so I was thinking, um, you know, that Eddie Trunk guy that used to host like that. Was it called that metal show or something on VH1 Classic? Yeah, but he's got he's got XM radio stuff and he he's like the insider. Him or, um, you know, Matt Pinfield, who's also yep. sort of like a music nerd, I think. Yep. 
I could probably just talk music with those guys for, for hours. And I don't think they would be annoyed by it. Like I, I, hmm. I know if, if I met, want to have that conversation. Yeah. If I met Johnny Marr, like, I don't know that he's going to want to talk guitar for five hours or something, but you know, these guys, <laughs> you know, they'll, right. Yeah. Well, like Eddie Trunk, I almost brought up during the episode we talked about Anthrax because he was friends with those guys. And like for the Cry for the Indians song, when they perform it live, he went downtown New York City and found the headdress that they used in the video and then for live performances. So wow. he's like really yeah. mixed in with that world. So yeah, that's yeah. a good one, Don. Yeah. So <laughs> what legend do you want to hang out with? Let us know. Hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and threads. Also on Discord, albumnerds.com slash Discord. Would rather see Metallica be broken penniless on welfare than see them as they are today. This is a nightmare. All I can say is it's sad, pathetic. What the f*** are we doing? Hey, Jimmy, here's your phone back. Lars ruins the band. See headline. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little bit where Metallica were reading bad reviews, one star reviews of <laughs> of their albums on uh, Amazon. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so I went with uh, kind of an obvious pick for me, and you know it's it's funny how this show, except for the you know for the most part, was almost like a new release episode, mm -hmm. which I think was unintentional when when we got hit with this topic. So. Uh, I'm going with uh, 72 Seasons. It came out April 14th, 2023. Of course, Metallica formed in 1981. 11 albums, Black Album, Master of Puppets. You guys know the drill there. Saint Anger. Saint <laughs> <Sane> Anger. Saint <laughs> Anger around my neck. All right, so uh, why don't we get into the first single, 72 Seasons. This is Lux Eterna. This beauty's got 12 tracks, 77 minutes. Hells <laughs> I wish they'd um, just put out shorter albums more frequently. It's always so long between records now because they're such perfectionists. Mm. The album's title, 72 Seasons, is a reference to the first 18 years of one's life, symbolizing growth and maturity, because within that 18 years, there are 72 seasons. Uh, James Hetfield said the album's lyrics draw from his own experiences and his life's journey. It's, you know, touches on themes of darkness and light balance and the impact of past experiences. And uh, it, it does ma maintain that powerful, like guitar driven style that they're known for, but I wouldn't say there are any new tricks in the, in the bag here. I described the album in three words with raging, resilient reflections. There's still that anger there's still some of that darkness there. And, and even though these guys are in their 50s and they've had incredible success, James Hetfield is still haunted by whatever went on in those 72 <laughs> seasons. A lot of demons, that guy. Yeah. Get over it already. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just kidding. <laughs> so the song Lux Eterna is Latin for eternal light. It, it, the message it carries is kind of, you know, um, kind of embrace the light, the things that make you happy, celebrate, uh, lose yourself in music in particular, I think is kind of what uh, James was doing. Um, and the little clip we, we played mentioned, uh, you hear from Motor Breath, one of their early songs, and Lightning to the Nations. 
Uh, oh, so they're, they're you know it's got a wobbum feel, but it's also new wave of British heavy metal for those who think it's douchey to say wobbum, which it could I be. I kind of do, and I'm kind of a douche. Um, <laughs> they're referencing uh, Diamond Head, which was one of their big influences, and uh, I think Andy and I long ago talked about oh, we sure that did. album sure on the did. show. Yeah, why don't we uh, jump into one of the other tracks? This one is called If Darkness Had a Sun. I believe that was the third single from the album. Seems like James is working through some stuff from his childhood, perhaps. I mean, based on some of the lyrics and the album art. Seems like he's going back pretty far. Well, you know what he he like he kind of bears the burden. I think the reason that he's that Metallica is still so popular and holds a a place in my heart is I feel like he kind of carries that weight for all of us the anger and the the things that you had in your youth or the the, the, res, the resentments that you might hold deep down inside. Yeah. He gets it out for us, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's it's uh, had its toll on him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah! He's kind of Saint Anger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's the patron saint of anger. <laughs> All right. The three words he's got this album are drinking the well dry. <laughs> I mean, not that they're alcoholics, but like, I feel like they're just, they're really, I mean, in, in some ways it's impressive how much they've fine-tuned this sort of metal machine that they've created over the last couple of decades. They're just putting out like these like, not cookie cutter by any means, but they definitely follow like a, bl- a blueprint, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of riff heavy sound that they've created and they've done it a little bit more here than they've done it in the past, a little bit longer than they have done in the past. Yeah, some of the songs have more bridges and things than I think are necessary. There's no, there's a lack of spontaneity in what they do now, and that's mm-hmm. part yeah. of metal is that spontaneity. And like you said, yeah, they have they have it down. He sounds great too. Yeah, like, I think they all sound really good. I might be with some of the best or some of the most enjoyable solos from uh, Kurt on this record. I think um, just some really impressive moments and i think each member sounds good like they all sound comfortable together that's it sounds like a very cohesive unit did you notice that the bass is much like ever since robert trillo joined the band you actually hear the bass and it has a place (laughs) in their songs and it is a part of the driving force behind more groovy moments Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that it's it's necessary for what they've turned what they've turned their sound into this sort of groove metal new wave of british heavy metal traditional metal thing that they've created yeah they really have gone away from the thrash sound lux eterna might be the closest they get to that but yeah it's groovy which i like but i think it's a pretty solid album and it really weren't any like tracks that was like oh this is just throwaway stuff but i you know it's pretty solid there's just so much of it and i kind of i kind of wonder i find myself wondering after listening to it a few times like how many more riffs can these guys possibly write as a like a foursome (laughs) like they have to have drank the well dry at this yeah. point. Like maybe on the next one, they bring Mustaine in. Oh, right. You know, there you go. Fun. That'd be cool. Back to the OG lineup. <laughs> All right. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we get to another track? This one is why Don. Why? Got, why couldn't you pick one that's called like Black? <laughs> Inamora, Inamorata. 
think that's it, yeah. All right. Inamorata. Inamorata. <laughs> Inamorata, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stuff. Yeah. The, the, those quieter moments there on, on this track, um, they kind of reminded me of Tool. Uh, even even his voice mm-hmm. uh, for a minute there kind of kind of reminded me of uh, was it Maynard? Uh, Inamorata is actually the longest song by the band uh, ever recorded. That's um, hmm. you know it's over eleven minutes long. But I mean, unlike the album as a whole, I, I feel like this song it, it doesn't get monotonous. You know, it, it actually keeps my attention through the uh, through the whole thing. Uh, yeah, agreed. Supposedly, the main riff of that track was written while uh, James Hetfield and, and Lars Ulrich uh, were bored on a Zoom call. Uh, we got it. We're going to have inspiration hit on one of these Zoom calls <laughs> eventually, <laughs> right? We are due. Yes. Yeah. I am bored. So <laughs> there's <laughs> ingredient one. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so I, basically the song just seems like a. It's like a love-hate relationship with misery, which is kind of kind of interesting. You know, I, I think sometimes, uh, you know, negative emotions like like misery or grief. Sometimes you get so used to them, you know, that it becomes kind of like a comfort. And um, mm. yeah, so it's kind of you know, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting lyric, I think. Uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are just Metallica being Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so this is a, this is a Metallica record. I, I appreciate that uh, about it. I guess it's what I would hope for from a Metallica record, and it's what I would expect. You know, there are, there have been times in their history where you know they um, have done things that I didn't expect, and sometimes it was great, and sometimes it was right. terrible. Um, so you know this this one at least uh, it's it's a Metallica record. It's very consistent. You know, as Andy said, you know I don't think there's a, a bad track on it. But you know we already mentioned the the length. Uh, I think if it was split into a couple albums or something, maybe it would be just a, an easier listen. But I think because it's maybe because it is such a consistent record, um, it gets a bit monotonous for seventy seven minutes like that. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I mean, overall, I, I appreciate this album. I don't think they're just pandering to fans who want them to, to be Metallica. You know, I don't see that at, at all. Uh, I don't think this would win any new fans. Like, at first I listened to it, and I, it was a letdown, right? The first couple of listens, it's like, eh. But then as I've listened to it since then, I've grown to, like, I find myself feeling like it's any other Metallica record. And I think the difference is because it's new, you don't have those memories, Mm. like from the ones you listened to as a youth. Hmm. So you don't have those connections. You're you're trying to build them right now. And I think that's part of what might be a challenge here with with legendary artists is you know them. And so when you're listening to their new stuff, it's like, I'm not feeling warm and fuzzy like I do about the old ones because you don't have those (laughs) connections yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, man. Expectations can be unreasonable with these legendary guys. Yeah. So if you enjoy Metallica and you enjoy just solid riffs and and grooves and, and a little darkness with a dash of light, go check out Metallica's 72 Seasons. And then go uh, listen to the other 10 records, too. Even St. Anger. Well, so we 
immersed ourselves in the the most recent work of of legends what did we learn well there's a couple things i've been thinking about as we've been chatting here boys um i was thinking about like consistency of these artists a little bit like metallica if you look back they they put out records you know they put out like this is their 11th record they've been like fairly consistent about every you know what four or five years they put out something three or four years maybe even for like what 30 years now they've been doing it so that's pretty impressive i mean same with sting right i mean he's done maybe not as prolific but he's done things pretty consistently through the decades right yeah he's done that that's 15 this was his 15th record since like 1985 yeah solo or total i solo i believe oh plus the police wow yeah that's crazy i think Nas was like 17 i want to say well yeah they's a lot yeah (laughs) that's a lot I expect it from from Sting, but uh, right. Metallica had a big head start on Nas <laughs> about ten years. Yeah, so I mean that's cool. I mean, geez, you really can do a lot when you are you know, as consistent for that long. Well, I think being of legendary status gives you the opportunity to do that, right? The bands True. that struggle, whether they're great or not, might get two or three records and don't have any support and have to give up because they're they haven't yeah. been bestowed legendary status. Um, well, I think it's good when when artists are consistently working because um, a, lo- a lot of times you know you get these legends that disappear for a while and all of a sudden it's yeah. their comeback album. Um, and you know I think a lot of times those are disappointing or they don't work. Yeah. And it's often after a comeback, it's like the second or third album they do after coming back warmed is, up is when again. they're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotten comfortable. They're not trying they're not trying to fit into what's happening currently. They maybe have gone back to what's comfortable. I think I learned if you're good, you're good. And uh these all three <laughs> of these were true to themselves and I was impressed at how good they all sound and how vital they all sound. And that's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. All right, boys and girls, it is that time once again. Gather round the legendary Wheel of Musical Destiny, and let's find out what our fate has in store for us next week. Your musical destiny will be taking you to the Pacific Northwest. The city of Seattle has fostered many bands and artists, and some interesting music scenes. So, get out your umbrellas, stop at a coffee shop, and enjoy. The songs of Seattle. There we go. <laughs> I'm listening. I was going to say, is that, uh, <laughs> that ourselves, <laughs> <Scrabble Dicks? laughs> <Is> <laughs> Quick reminder, you can go to our website, albumnerds.com, to suggest your topics for the Wheel of Musical Destiny. Vote on any ongoing Album Nerds Hall of Fame nominations. All right. Who's your favorite artist from Seattle? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow Album Nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Album Nerds. And please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support. Thank you for joining us on the Album Nerds Podcast. We'll catch you next time in rainy Seattle. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. (laughs) Good night, Seattle. We love you.